Well, hey, good morning, everybody. Hey, it's awesome to be with you. My name is Matt. I'm the young adults pastor here. And I also do uh, small groups, so actually, shout out to our small group leaders. We're, we're looking to launch again in September. I know that kind of got thrown for a loop with COVID and stuff, but uh, to our guys who kind of went through that training, who did do some uh, Zoom groups going on uh, throughout COVID, man, like, awesome job, and thank you so much for serving there. So you'll hear some more info kind of as we get closer to September. That's what we're looking at right now. But so I do young adults here, I do uh, small groups, and I also do the social media here. And it's uh, actually really quick too, shout out to our newly formed social media team. Those guys are doing an awesome job. So there's a few uh, other people behind the scenes on our Facebook and Instagram accounts. So you kind of uh, know they're doing an amazing job uh, with that stuff. But it's funny because people kind of think that I have some kind of like epic background in maybe this, but I really don't. I, I have a background in ministry. And Pastor Jeff was like, hey, can you run our social media? And I was like, I mean, yeah, sure. And so let me tell you really quick my background in social media, okay? So when I first got an Instagram account, it was all about the hashtags. And so hashtags, it's like that pound symbol and like, you know, you put a, a, a phrase or a word or whatever. You, you hashtag whatever you took a picture of because that's how you find similar media. So if I took a picture of New York City, I hashtag NYC. And now I can find any photo that anyone's ever put with the hashtag NYC. But I became so obsessive with this. Found out that Instagram had a limit of 30 hashtags. So I would copy and paste them, and I would change them for the photo. And my friends, they'd laugh at me. They're like, Matt, you would constantly change the hashtags. or, or you, you hashtagged everything. You'd be like, hashtag window, hashtag sidewalk, hashtag oxygen. Like you, You're trying to hashtag everything in your photo. Why? Because I wanted the most amount of likes I could get. I got actually so obsessive with it that I, um, I went to a website that showed me which hashtags got me the most amount of likes per photo so I could like doctor and tailor which ones I used. And all for what? I mean, the most amount of likes. People don't even really chase that as much the same way. And honestly, like I never even got that many. Like, like the average teenager in youth group or young adults, I saw um, Aaliyah posted something like last week had like 160 likes. That's just like an average post, I guess, for her. For me, I never once got that many likes on Instagram for all that work that I had done. But it's funny. That's not how Instagram works now. It's a little more like, you know, it's not, you know, um, it's not all about the hashtags. It's not all about the likes. But, you know, what we can do on social media, it's really easy to just compete and to compare, to look at other people now, I like to say social media, it's like people's highlight reel, right? So you can see what other people are doing, and you kind of think to yourself, man, oh, that's really cool, or man, I wish I was doing that. And, you know, for me in my profession, kind of as a pastor, as a preacher, it's, I, I can see famous preachers on Instagram, and it's crazy, like, how, like, jacked these guys are. Like, they're really got, like, muscles. It's like the bigger muscles maybe gets you a bigger church or something. Like, sometimes I can see, and I'm like, man, like, what am I, what am I doing wrong? Like, these guys... Up there, you, you can compare, right? And, and you probably can do the same thing, maybe in a different way, vacation or a job. Like, man, I wish that was me. Or, wow, they're really doing really well there, right? Well, we're in, we're in uh, part three of a series called You're Not the Boss of Me. How to say no to the emotions that compete for control. And kind of like our theme verse, really, for like the series has been Matthew 15. And these are words from Jesus he says this, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? 
which we would all say, yeah, I think I know that, right? So like, like they put this in the Bible. Okay, yes, we know that, but he's trying to get our attention. And then he says, but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person. But eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. And this is a big deal when Jesus said this. He said this to a culture where dietary law was everything. I mean, to an extent, this is actually where they got their identity. Like, I'm Italian, so I may view my, oh, hey, I'm Italian. Or I'm white, I'm black, I'm this ethnicity, right? This is actually how they identified themselves as an ethnic group was how they ate food. And Jesus says, yeah, God doesn't care about what type of food. God's not petty like that. He's not small like that. God cares how you treat someone else that he cares about. And maybe you're here, maybe you're not a Christian. You've even wondered, man, if God was real, why would he care so much about the words I speak to someone? Doesn't that seem kind of petty? Doesn't that seem kind of small? But the truth is, when we hurt someone that God loves, we put ourselves at odds with God. That's why it matters so much. When we hurt someone that God loves, we're putting ourselves at odds with God. And Jesus says, it comes from our hearts. And here's the deal. We don't really like to hear this. We'd kind of rather say like, well, I didn't really mean that, right? Well, I just was really angry when I said that. That doesn't represent how I really feel. I'm sorry. I don't really know where that came from. But Jesus says, I do know where it came from. It came from your heart. And that's maybe part of the keys that we need to be able to admit that this is actually inside of me. Because once we admit that, hey, this is actually in me, now, Jesus can begin to do a work on our heart. As Christians, we don't want to just apply a filter to the words that we say. What's the nice way of saying this? We want Jesus to cleanse our hearts from the inside out. And that's what this whole series has been about. And so last week, Pastor Jeff talked about guilt, how guilt, you don't have to be the boss of me. And so today, we're talking about envy. Envy, the enemy of peace. Envy is what we're talking about. And if you're a note taker, I love taking notes, and I really like structure, like knowing where we're at. So if you're a note taker, this would be like your first big thing to write down um, to kind of, you know, keep you, you know, where we're at today. There's no win in comparison. There's no win in comparison. Instagram, social media, they're just reminders that there's no win in comparison. Envy, the enemy of peace, right? Envy, we could say jealousy, but envy sounds like really sinister, right? Sounds like bad. Like we know envy is a bad thing. I don't want envy, right? Envy is bad. Envy, in fact, is the ugliest part of human nature. It's the ugliest part of humanity. And most of us in the room would probably agree with that. Oh yeah, that'd be easy to say. But here's what I'd say. What if we, for just a minute, get personal? Envy is the ugliest part of me. Envy is the ugliest part of, of us. I don't know if you've ever done this before. I'm assuming you have. I mean, this can make me look really bad. But, I, you know, if you've seen somebody maybe mess up, you've seen someone fail, maybe a public or a figure or, or personal or something, and just a little bit like your gut reaction, just a little bit inside, you go like this. You're like, yes, yes. Have you, 
Have you ever done that? And, and then you go, wait a minute. Oh, oh my gosh, why would I think that's horrible? Like that, that person has to go through that. That person's experiencing this. I, w- I don't want to wish bad on somebody. How, how could I have thought that to myself? But for like a tiny moment, there's something in you that you just go like, you know what? Yeah, like that's right. That should, yeah, you, you, yeah, got him, right? There's something that we do. It's the ugliest part of me. It's the ugliest part of us that we may think that sometimes. Why? It's within us. Man, can you imagine if that was the boss of me? If that was the boss of you? Wow. Man, envy, it's the ugliest part of human nature, and it resides in all of us. In fact, here's what Solomon said. Solomon was the king of ancient Israel. He's regarded as one of the wisest men that ever lived, and he said this about envy. Envy rots the bones. Envy rots the bones. It leaves us competing with people who don't even know that there's a competition. I think about Will Smith's words. He's got a quote. He says, we spend money that we do not have on things we do not need to impress people who do not care. Envy rots the bones. There's no positive side to envy. I mean, with the other emotions in this series, you could maybe argue there's a positive side. I mean, guilt, we talked about last week, right? Well, the Bible talks about how there's a type of sorrow that leads you to repentance, that leads you to salvation, that you want to turn around and start making good decisions now because you feel bad about what you did. Maybe you have some guilt. There can be even uh, righteous anger, right? I can be angry about a situation, and that can motivate me to do the right thing or, or to do something now, right? So there can be sometimes a positive side. But with envy and jealousy, there's no positive side. Envy is incredibly self-centered. And when it comes to envy, what we do is we're jealous of the success we believe other people have. And we judge the failures we think of people who are below us. We're jealous. We judge. Envy's all about me. And it ruins relationships. Man, if I'm constantly jealous or judging my siblings, my brother, my sister, my best friend, my parents, maybe even my kids in some weird way. I'm constantly jealous or envious of the success that they have. There's no win in comparison. And so what's the answer then? Just stop, I guess, right? Don't do it anymore. All right, good. We're done. That's it. (laughs) Wish it was that easy, right? Well, give it to God and it goes away. Well, doesn't really work like that. It's inside of us, right? And so here's kind of your next big thing. Envy isn't a problem to solve. It's a tension to manage. Envy isn't a problem to solve. It's a tension to manage. And this probably could be said of all the emotions in the series that we're talking about. Guilt, um, anger, greed, fear, uh, right? Envy, jealousy, All of these things are not a problem to solve like it's a one and done thing. It's within us. And again, that's what Jesus is challenging us to do. Hey, admit, admit that it's inside of you so I can now begin to work on your heart. If you don't take any ownership of it, well, that's not really me. Well, I, I didn't really mean that. I don't know where that came from. Well, now God can't deal with what's going on in our heart, but Jesus says it's inside of you. And you know what, though? Even though it is inside of us, it doesn't have to be the boss of you. It doesn't have to control you. We can begin to monitor our heart and deal with it. And even though it's not a one and done thing, 
I do want to say this. At the end of the service, I, I want to open up the altar so we can have a moment and a time with God. It's not because at the altar it will be a one and done thing. Man, I gave my envy to God and I never had problems with jealousy again. I was never angry again. It doesn't work like that. But that you can come up and have a moment with God and say, God, I admit, hey, this is in my heart. Or God, reveal that this is in my heart because, God, I don't want this to be the boss of me. And we can come and have that moment with God together. But it's attention to manage. It's attention to manage. And here's why I know this is the case. In fact, we're going to look at another passage written by Solomon. We'll be kind of in two different passages today. The first one is uh, in, the, in the book of Ecclesiastes. And so if you've got a Bible, you can take it out. The uh, verses will be on the screen. We're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. And Solomon, again, is regarded as one of the wisest people, or if not the wisest person that ever lived. And Ecclesiastes, it's kind of like his life reflections. He's, he's reflecting back on what he's learned. He's kind of like bird's eye view of humanity, big picture. He writes it down, and he's hoping to pass this wisdom along to you and to me. So check out what he says here. In Ecclesiastes 4, verse 4, he says, And I saw that all toil and all achievement spring from one person's envy of another. This, too, is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Again, he's reflecting on life. This is written like almost 3,000 years ago that Solomon wrote this. And man, talk about nothing new under the sun, huh? People are exactly the same. He's kind of saying, big, big picture, when I zoom out and I look at humans, man, everything we do stems from one person's envy of another. Man, so social media, wow, just another tool to do what we already do, which is compete and compare with the people around us. We're determining our level of success based on where we think other people's success is, just what we do. It's what is inside of us. Envy, jealousy, these things have been inside of humanity since the beginning of humanity. 3,000 years ago, sounds like they were doing the same thing. And he says, it's meaningless. It's ridiculous. I mean, look at the word picture he uses, chasing after the wind. Chasing after the wind. Look at your neighbor and say, chasing after the wind, if you have a neighbor, chasing after the wind. Chasing after the wind. This is powerful imagery. I mean, think about this for a second. Like, let's just say, let, let, let's apply this, okay? Chasing after the wind. What if after today, the sermon, uh, afterwards I said, hey guys, you know, this is the application today. We're gonna go outside and we're all gonna chase the wind. That's the application, man. <laughs> what would that look like, right? Okay, people driving by, like if we're going like, you know, trying to chase the wind, people would say, what is going on, first of all? They, they look, oh my gosh, I'm not gonna visit there. And so not only, you look ridiculous, but it's unattainable. It's endless. There's no finish line. There's no peace, right? It's impossible to do. I mean, it doesn't actually even make any sense to think like that, to chase the wind. There's always going to be something better, right? Another er. There's always going to be a better, newer, stronger, taller, smarter, faster. There's always going to be something better, something more, right, than what we have. Right In the words of Angelica Schuyler, you'll never be satisfied when you're chasing after the wind. But it's important to know, Solomon's not saying, well, I guess you shouldn't do anything. I mean, you'll never be 
It, you'll never be the best at anything, so just don't try at all. That's not what he says. Look at the next verse. In, uh, in verse 5, he says, Fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. So it's foolish to not try. It, it, that's not smart. It, it, he's not saying don't try your best. He's not saying, uh, well, be nonproductive. That doesn't matter. He's not saying, well, don't try to make, don't try to accomplish something with your life. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, hey, don't give up and do nothing, but don't pretend to be something that you're not. In fact, that would be your next, kind of the next big thing to write down. Contentment is found where God has called you. There's no win in comparison. And envy isn't a problem to solve. It's a tension to manage. Contentment is found where God has called you. Look what he says in verse 6 here, kind of continuing in the passage. He says, better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. And there's that word picture again, chasing after the wind. It's better to have one handful with what you were designed to do than two handfuls of working hard and trying to be something that I'm not supposed to be. Even that word tranquility, right? That, that tranquility probably depends on which translation. This is NIV. Tra tranquility, peace, contentment. That feeling at the end of the day that you, you, you can say, oh man, I worked hard today. I did my best today. I served God today. I know I was in God's will today. Wow, that feeling of contentment. He's saying it's better to have that. It's not worth have to trade your contentment, your tranquility, your peace for two handfuls of toil, for, for more work and more comparing and competing. It's like chasing after the wind. It's better than working hard and working hard and, uh, and right, taking a picture, cropping, putting a filter, editing it. Uh, let me retake it. Retake it again, edit, crop, right? Okay, the whole thing. Instead of constantly doing that, it's not worth it to lose your sense of peace and to lose your sense of self. In fact, the proverb that I read earlier from him, I only, I only told you about half of it, the second half. Here's, here's the full one, Proverbs 14.30. He says, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Peace and envy are enemies of each other. They don't work together. A heart at peace gives life to the body. You can't compare and you can't compete your way to peace. You cannot win by chasing the wind. And so if you're a Christian, man, God has given you a lane to run in. God has given you a calling. Maybe you're a parent or a professional. Maybe you're a student an athlete, a coach, uh, whatever you are, a teacher, whatever you are, God has given you a lane to run in, and God wants you to excel there. Yes, you can look to other people. Look to other people, sure. Look to other people for inspiration, but not for imitation. Don't try to compare and compete with those around you. Instead, look to them for inspiration, right? And when you can live at peace, the result is peace with yourself, and ultimately, greater peace with the people around you, the people that you care about the most, when you can live at peace and you're not living in envy. In fact, the Apostle Paul knew this to be true as well. Paul, he was a, 
great church planter. During the early church, he wrote over half of the New Testament that we have in our Bibles. And that's why he says this. He can say this in Philippians 4. He says, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Paul knew that contentment is found where God has called you. And here's what I think. I think if we took a minute just to think about this, we, we would come to this conclusion. Like, it'd be obvious to us if it doesn't already feel obvious to you. I think that's what Solomon goes on to show. Let's continue the passage in Ecclesiastes here. Look what he says in verse 7 and 8. He says, again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. And remember, at this time, women would not have inherited anything. You know, thankfully, that's not how it is today, but that's how it was back then. So what he's saying is there's nobody for this guy to leave his inheritance to, all his possessions, all his money. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For who am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. There's no end to his work. And he finally stopped to ask the question, why do I do what I do? Why am I working so hard? Why do I stress myself out so much? And I can imagine, maybe you're here right now, and, and, and you may be pushing back a little bit. Matt, I hear what you're saying. Handful of tranquility. Yeah, sure, peace. Oh, at the end of the day, I can breathe. Oh, yeah, sounds nice. Sounds nice. But man, I got to work. I mean, it's got to work, right? I got to provide for my family. You got to work to eat, right? Well, yeah, I, I know that. I think we all know that. I, if you don't know that, anyone in the room, hey, you got to work to eat. If you want money, you got to work. All right, so we all know that now. So maybe if you say, oh, why do you do that? We have to answer this question. Why am I working so hard? Why do I stress myself out? For my family. I do it for my family. I want to push back a little bit. Is it though? Is it for your family? I mean, yeah, again, to some extent, yes. Yes, you have to provide for your family. You have to work to eat, sure. But are you sure it isn't something deeper? Are you sure that maybe you're not trying to internally compete with somebody? I watched a show. This guy, he turns to a life of crime and drugs because he believes he's going to die. And he, he, he can make all this extra money and leave it to his family. The whole show, he says, everything I do is for my family. Everything I do is for my family. The whole show, it's what he says. But you see him continue, continue to alienate his family to the point where they hate him. They don't want to see him anymore. He's, he's out of their life. And in the very last episode, he says, everything I did, I did it for me. And it's this crazy twist at the end of the episode because the whole show, he said it was, it was for his family, but really, it was for him. We need to answer this question. Why are you working so hard? Why are you stressing yourself out? Why do you have two handfuls of toil? For some of us, there's a name. There is a face. Maybe it's a colleague, somebody you're competing with at work. Maybe it's a sibling or a friend. Maybe, for many of us, it's our parents, and this happens sometimes too. It, it may be a parent who's no longer with us anymore. You don't have your mom or your dad, but their face is in your mind. 
And everything you do, it's because of that. Well, we got to do this. I got to work hard. I got to make sure this is how it has to be because that person can't get out of your head. That's why you're working so hard. And we need to do this because we can give up our one handful of peace for two handfuls of tranquility and chasing the wind. It's ridiculous how hard we can work. He says, the guy in the example says, why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? Right? I won't even stop to smell the roses. Uh, a couple weeks ago, Rebecca and I went to Ikea, and it was kind of like going to Disney. <laughs> like we went the day they opened. There's like this huge line outside, and we lucked out because uh, we got there at a good time. When we were leaving, it was like raining, so all these people were outside standing in line waiting with masks on. I'm like, ooh. So we, we had made out okay. We got this little bistro set, like a table and chairs to sit outside. We got this little section right outside of our uh, place. And so it's nice. And we got this little cover to go on it too. It's waterproof. So, you know, it's been raining and, and it's totally fine. But I kind of joke around. Like even this morning, I had a couple extra minutes and I was like, oh, let me go sit outside. I'm like, oh, well, the cover's on there. I'm not going to take it off now. It's too much work, right? So it's funny. I'm like, I, I bought this thing to what? Like, <laughs> like am I going to use it? Like, I, you know, I want to use it. I want to sit outside. It, it, that's what I want to do. And it's, we could do the same thing with with. Uh, our work, how, what we're doing. Man, I, I love my wife. My wife, I just never spend any time with her. Everything I do is for my family. I just, I don't have any time to be with them, right? I don't even enjoy what I'm doing. This is the relational and family death spiral. When we say we're doing it for somebody else, we're doing it because we love them, but we're alienating those around us. We need to admit, hey, envy, jealousy, sometimes those things are in our hearts, and it's it's ridiculous, right? We, we see, it's obvious. It's obvious how silly it is that we live our lives this way. But it's what we do. And it will make you miserable. That's what he says. It's a miserable business. You can accomplish everything on your list. You can graduate top of your class. You can get the award. You can get the promotion. And it won't be enough. Because something's driving you and you never put your finger on what it was. And I want to say this today. You'll never experience God's purpose for your life when you're distracted with God's purpose for someone else. You'll never experience God's purpose in your life when you're distracted for God's purpose in someone else. Man, it's liberating. It's freeing when you don't have to look over your shoulder, when you don't have to say, well, what do they think? Well, I hope they noticed me. When you can just live out the calling that God has had to you, contentment is found in God's calling. And so here's what I want to do. I want to kind of change gears for a second. We've been in Ecclesiastes with um, Solomon's words. And I want to go to the book of Philippians by the Apostle Paul, who I brought up earlier. He wrote this letter to the Philippian church. He said, I've learned to be content. And I think so far, everything we've talked about, you know, I, I think what he has to say, it, um, it kind, of, kind of puts some feet to what we're talking about here. Has some kind of practical things. What does that mean if contentment is found where God has called me? I think he has some advice for us. And uh, so if you say, man, envy, I don't want envy to be the boss of me. I don't want to chase after the wind. The advice that Paul gave to the Philippians, I think, can help us out as well today. It's going to be in Philippians chapter 2. And actually, Jeremy, if you want to get that ready for me, thank you so much. So here's, um, here's what he says, Philippians 2, 12 through 13. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you 
to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. It's God who works in you. Here's the first thing I would say that Paul is telling us. If contentment is found in God's calling, what should we do? The first thing is this. Adjust your thinking. Adjust your thinking. When you know that it's God who's working in your life. Salvation, he says, work out your salvation. Continue to work it out. It's not a one and done thing. You don't just come to faith in God, and now I'm never angry again. Wow, I'm never jealous again. It's been great ever since I've been a Christian. No, it doesn't work like that. You have to keep working it out. You gotta keep giving it to God. Why? Because God is the one working on you, so adjust your thinking. God is working in you and through you. Now, earlier we said that there's no win in comparison, right? That if we compare and compete, it's not going to work. Why? Because we define success by a ladder, right? So that's what I got right here. Someone asked, is there construction going on? Nope. It's an illustration. So <laughs> work with me here, right? We define success like a ladder. So we're on this ladder somewhere, right? And so that's why we can uh, be jealous of those who we believe have more success because they're higher on the ladder. I want to be higher up. That's how I know I'm successful, if I can be up there. They've got a better job. They make way more money than me. They've got a nicer car. And that's why we can judge those we perceive to be lower than us. Ah, well, at least I'm not like that. Well, I got a better job than them. Thank God I'm not like that. Right? And this envy and jealousy, there's no win in comparison. But we have to remember, it's God who's working in us. That it's God who wants to work in and through us. We need to adjust our thinking because in God's upside-down kingdom, God's wisdom is different than the wisdom in this world. And so God, God doesn't see the ladder as up and down. And if you want to switch it for me, Jeremy, thank you. Uh, everyone give Jeremy a hand because he's giving me a hand today. Thanks. We view the ladder of success as up and down, but God views it as side to side. Thank you, Jeremy. This is how God sees success. And so the blessings and the success that I think someone else has above me, they're not above me. They're, they're over here on this side. So God has given them their stuff so they could succeed in their area of influence. Someone else that I perceive as lower than me, no, they're over here. They're, uh, they're succeeding in this area. So the blessings that God has given me, that place he's placed me, he wants me to succeed in my area of influence. So adjust your thinking. And that actually would be your next point is, uh, is to stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. And I know typically stay in your lane, that kind of sounds a little more negative. Like I can see you at your job kind of like, uh, hey, uh, I had this idea. You know, maybe we could schedule people like a month out. And, you know, I, th I think we could do this and make, and make it way better around here. And I can say, all right, you know what? Stay in your lane, all right? <laughs> Normally it's like a negative thing. But in this sense, it's a positive. Stay in your lane. Don't be distracted uh, with what God's doing in someone else's life when he's trying to do something in your life. Here's what Paul goes on to say in Philippians 2, 14 and 15. And I like how it says it in the NLT. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Man, the world views the ladder of successes up and down. God views it as side to side. Adjust your thinking and know that God is trying to do something in your life. So don't complain. Live as somebody who could shine like a light. You know, for myself, I uh, drove a minivan for a couple years, and I didn't really like it, okay? <laughs> Me driving a minivan by myself, you know, to work, shopping, you know, I, I didn't really like it. It was just me in there, right? 
And uh, if I was thinking of the ladder of success, I'd say, man, I wish I had a nicer car because then I would know I made it. I, I, if I had a nicer, faster car, wouldn't that be better? Man, but I'm stuck over here. Well, I guess I, I don't have no cars like th- those people down there, but at least, I wish I had better success, right? But when I adjust my thinking and now I can stay in my lane, I realize that God has given me things to help me succeed where I am. First of all, I didn't have to pay for the minivan, so I mean, right, count your blessings. Maybe if you've never done that, maybe that's something that you can try. But not only that, the entire duration of the time that I owned the minivan, I was a youth pastor. And let me tell you what, having a minivan comes in really handy when you need to carpool for youth events, pick up kids for youth group. The parents are like, oh, is there any chance you can pick them up? When I have six extra seats in the car, it's great, especially when your church doesn't have a lot of money to rent a van. I already had one, and we're at a church plant, so like I could fit, fit things in my car, and we could drive it when we do different events, right? And so it turns out, I'm like, wow, I, if, if at the ladder of success, I wish I had something else, but when I adjust my thinking, I realize God has given me things to succeed where I am. Change your mindset. Redefine success. And this is really key. This is really important. If you're not a Christian, so far everything that we've talked about has been pretty good advice, and I think you could walk out of here hopefully living your life a little better. I think you could. I mean, yeah, let me, uh, you know, I should stop comparing. There's no winning comparison. Uh, you know, envy and jealousy, it's the ugliest part of me, sure. Redefine success, yes. You know, that's good. That's good. You can live that out. That's good. But it stops there. That's one of the key differences about being a Christian. It's not just positive thinking and just trying to make the most of it. God has designed us with a purpose and for a purpose. And so without God, the best you have is just kind of shrugging your shoulders, hoping you can find some peace. But true contentment is found where God has called you. Contentment is found when you're living within your purpose, and that is where you will experience peace. Jesus says, I've come to give you life and to have it to the full. And so if you're here today and maybe you're not a Christian, you can experience that life today. You can live out the purpose that God has designed you for. So as we begin to wrap up here, we're saying contentment is found where God has called you. And so Paul says, hey, uh, we're taking kind of principles from what Paul said. Adjust your thinking, that ladder. Um, Stay in your lane. And here's the last one. Celebrate others. Celebrate others. This is so important because envy is self-centered. Here's here's what he says in Philippians chapter 2, backing up, verses 3 through 5. He says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. And your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And he goes on, to, uh, to talk about the mindset of Christ Jesus, which he emptied himself. He regarded as others above himself, right? Um, and it, again, it's important because envy, envy is incredibly self-centered. It's all about what I want. It's all about my desires. It's about what I deserve, even at the expense of someone else or my relationship with someone else. And that's why we can go on social media and compete and compare and maybe even, maybe even, 
celebrate someone's failure. Yes, when that happens. Why? Oh my gosh, why? Why? It's the ugliest part. It's inside of me and it's all about me. There's some weird way we think that when someone else fails that we somehow are elevated. It doesn't, it's not true. And so we said, we said we should focus on where God has called you, right? Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane, absolutely. That's still kind of self-centered. That's still kind of thinking about me. And so the next thing would, would be to celebrate others. So to find contentment in my calling, I will celebrate when others have success in their calling. And when I'm tempted to compare, I will stop and say, envy, envy, you're not the boss of me. I will not chase after the wind. And so maybe your friend gets into a relationship and you're still single. Maybe they're engaged. Maybe they get married. They're pregnant. And, and where are you? At? Oh, I uh, wish that was me. No, instead, hey, Envy, you're not the boss of me. I can celebrate the success or, or what God is doing in their life, the blessings that God is using because he's trying to use them over there. Hey, let me comment on that status. That's awesome. Hey, they got a promotion at work. I think they're making more money than me. Well, what is this? No, hold on. I'm tempted to compare. Envy, you're not the boss of me. Hey, that's awesome that you got that promotion at work. I know I didn't, but that's awesome. I'm so glad that God's moving and blessing you and your life. Wow. When their kids maybe got accepted into a prestigious college. Wow. Wish that was my kids. Maybe, maybe your kids really aren't serving God right now. I, I wish that was me. This isn't fair. No, hey, you know what? That's awesome. That's so exciting, man. I, I'm going to comment on that status. I'll write you a letter. I'll write you a card. Why? Because envy doesn't have to be the boss of me. I don't have to get jealous of someone else because I know God is moving in my life. So Pastor Bonnie, if, uh, whenever you're ready, you can come on up front and give us some music. We said, envy is the enemy of peace. You're not the boss of me. We said that there's no win in comparison, right? Envy rots the bones. It's the ugliest part of us. But envy isn't a problem to solve, it's a tension to manage. It's inside of us, but God wants to deal with it in our hearts. He wants to make us new. He wants to cleanse us. We don't want to just apply a filter. We want God to change us from the inside out. Contentment is found where God has called you. Man, don't trade one handful of tranquility for two handfuls of toil. Why, so how do you live that out? Adjust your thinking. Don't think of the ladder of success as up and down. View it the way God sees it, sideways, right? So you can stay in your lane. Focus on what God has called you to. Don't compare and try to be somebody that God has not called you to be. But also, don't be self-centered. Celebrate others. Celebrate when someone else succeeds in their calling and God is blessing them so that envy won't be the boss of me. If you're a Christian, you already have a boss of you, and it's Jesus. And Jesus says to love others. Right? In fact, he says, this is how people will know you're, you're, I'm your boss, is the way you love other people. And man, we can't love and envy at the same time. We can't do that very well. Peace and purpose is found when we love other people. So I'm gonna invite you to stand to your feet as we begin to close out here. And as they uh, do service and building B, worship team, you guys can do what you need to do. Pastor Jamal can close out how you need to close out. What I'd like to do is I would like to open these altars up in just a moment. Is it possible that envy has become the boss of you? Is there an area of your life? Maybe it's uh, in a relationship, your brother, your sister, siblings, your parents, a friend, a colleague at work. Man, they make more money than me. 
well, they don't have to deal with this situation. It seems like everything comes easy to them. They never even have to study, whatever. Maybe in an environment at school or at work. And I just wish it was like this. Maybe on a team, you're, every time you see that guy, you're like, I wish I had those skills, that talent. Is it possible that somewhere you've allowed envy to be the boss of you? And what I wanna do is give you an opportunity to come on up front and take a moment with God. Remember, it's not a one and done thing. It's not, you don't come up here and never be jealous again. But it is a moment where you can say, God, reveal to me where maybe I have some jealousy inside my heart. God, I admit that it is inside of me. God, maybe, maybe you already know where it is. There's something coming to your mind right now, a picture or a face, a name. Yes, God, sometimes I can be envious. And Lord, I want to give that to you. I don't want this to be the boss of me. And so, Pastor Bonnie, as you continue to play, these altars are open. I want you to come on up front today and say, God, do a work in my life, God. I don't want envy to be the boss of me, Lord. I want your love to be the boss of me, God. You're the one that I want to live out, God. You're the one that I want to worship, God. I want to live out the calling that you have for me, Lord God. God, we don't want to compete and compare. God, help us not to live out. Help us not to compare to, to the blessings that someone else has, the calling that someone else has, Lord God. Help us not to trade our peace and tranquility for two handfuls of toil, Lord God. Help our contentment to be found in you, Jesus. Maybe you're here and you felt like, I've wanted to find contentment in God's calling, but I don't know what it is. I don't know what God's calling is. I wanna encourage you right now. God has called you to where you are. Your area of influence, where you are right now, that is where God has called you to. Don't look at the ladder up and down. Don't be waiting for God to reveal something to you about where I'm supposed to be. Where you are now, God wants to use you where you are. Maybe you could come on up front today and say, God, reveal to me maybe the blessings you have given me. God, maybe I haven't been thankful for the things that uh, uh, you've placed in me. How can I use those things, God? How can I be a blessing to those around me, Lord God? I don't want envy and jealousy to be the boss of me.